Hello and welcome to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the show where we bring you tips, tricks and techniques that we wish we knew as young songwriters. On this show, we focus on interviews, we focus on resources, subjects you're going to find useful and you can go home and you can use them today. So thank you so much for listening and welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting. My name is Jamie. This is the first time I'm listening to the show. Thank you for joining us, but we've got a couple of episodes you might want to check out before this. But my man Callum is also here with me. How you doing, man? Good, good. How you doing, mate? Good. I'm ready to go. So as I said, today's topic is listener bandwidth and the tightrope. If that means absolutely nothing to you, again, I recommend checking out some of the key episodes before. But if not, if you're brave, just dive in because we're going to explain this as we go. But as ever, if you're new to the show, we love to do song of the day. So I'm going to throw it to Callum because Callum's got a little bit of a twist on song of the day before I do mine. We'll see Uh, what he's got. Today's song of the day for me is just basically anything by the Beatles. Nice. They are basically the pinnacle of songwriting for me. Uh, ABC songwriting. (laughs) Yeah. That's them. That's them. You know, they established their A section, their verse. They usually have a strong motive um, or motif rather and a catchy melody that they'll then return to. B, their pre. Sometimes they don't even bother with the pre. Um, and then their C section, which is their chorus, their strongest melodic section. Um, that is, and it's usually the home of the song. Yeah. Often also the beginning as well, you know, in many cases. Especially these days. Yep. Times, yeah. And a lot of their songs, you know, Can't Buy Me Love is one that comes straight to mind, based around a blues, 12 bar blues, I think, as well. Mm. Um, straight in there with the chorus, you know. And they were ahead of it before Spotify. Yeah. Pretty much every song you listen to by these guys, you know, they may not be considered modern or contemporary anymore, yeah. but it utilizes every tool we talk about, including exactly. listener bandwidth. And that's why their catalog is still, you know, the highest grossing of all time. Smashed it. I love that you said that because I was about to say, listener bandwidth, mm. the tightrope. These are all the things that the Beatles would have brought about. And they were the first band, I think, to do this commercially to take songwriting for something that's just emotional and do it commercially mm. and you're right cow is that i think those guys whether they knew it or not i think they did they were starting to use all the tools that worked all the effective tools over and over and over again whether that's from creation all the way to finalizing their songs um they were doing it over and over and over again because they knew they were effective and they managed to repeat that and that's why they are the beatles in my opinion mm. nice a nice classic one i think as well just a side note for me, Paul McCartney was always this old guy. Even when I studied, I know it sounds really stupid, even when I studied the Beatles in school, I did yesterday, you know, we looked at it, um, the score, and it was a beautiful song. But Paul McCartney was always an old guy, and Ringo Starr the same, and I think I never appreciated until you passed on to me um, documentary about the Beatles. I never appreciated exactly how have much. Have you seen it yet? Yes. Yeah, 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 I remember I was watching it. I think now I think of Paul McCartney, and I just couldn't have more respect for the guy. Literally, I yeah. think before I might have put him in a box somewhere in the same way you'd see Pink Floyd or Iron Maiden or something. But when you see them when they started out and what they did for the world of music, I just think I couldn't have more respect, especially for Lipper as well, him taking part in starting Lipper. So yeah, I think that's been an awesome thing for me to, to do. And my song of the day, it's very different. And I was working with Maria, one of my clients, and she had an idea that was similar to a song. And she said, have you heard the song Billy Bossa Nova by Billie Eilish? I went, no, Maria, I haven't. What is it? So 
we looked at the lyrics and she said a few quotes. So she tried a few things and I thought, okay, this is really cool. What's this song? She made me play it. So for example, have a listen to the song. But there are some things I think are so, so, so clever and very relevant. That's the point here. But Billie Eilish has gone and made a, a lyric that is, make me want to take a picture, make a movie with you that we'd have to hide. That's alluding to a sex tape. But again, what she's doing is so interesting because it's really subtle. It's very relevant. And for some reason, again, it sits with her brand. But the use of lyrics to infer things, again, you better lock your phone and look at me when you're alone. So as we hear that, we think, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But what that means is we're currently being, there's a book by Johan Harry stealing our focus or stolen focus. But currently, even in relationships, he's saying, you have to lock your phone and look at me when we're alone. That lack of intimacy in kind of modern relationships due to that injection of phones, I thought it was really interesting. And then finally, you better lock your door and look at me a little more. These same things, you know, using rhymes, using not that much imagery. I mean, locking door, lock phone, that's a really cool connection. And again, trying to have some kind of privacy, some kind of intimacy was um, a great idea. So thanks, Maria, for shooting that my way. And I said I'd shout it out, but also take it to the show because I think there are some really good examples out there of how you can do something quite different, quite subversive without going crazy. It's just about what you suggest. Good stuff. So I introduce the, uh, the big topic. Yeah. So we're talking about listener bandwidth and the tightrope. Any of you guys who have been to a circus show or you understand the idea of a high wire, which is a wire placed between two high points, often in a tent or sometimes between buildings, if people are really going for it. And when someone listens to your song, you're inviting them onto your tightrope. And that means that when they're listening to your song, they are walking along it. They have faith in what you're offering them. And even um, Adeline, uh, a client I was working with, said, leaving breadcrumbs along the tightrope. So just literally imagine that visually. What are you leaving along the tightrope? to incentivize people to want to get there. They can gently, like Hansel and Gretel, go along the tightrope, pick up these breadcrumbs you've left, which can be a great lyric, a great melody, a production idea, anything you want to put in. But the idea is that when someone is walking on your tightrope, they are into your song, they are emotionally connected, they are invested in it. But then, should something happen, which will bring in the other half of today's topic, should something happen that causes them to no longer be into your song, to be emotive, to be connected, they'll quote-unquote fall off the tightrope, hopefully into a net. But the idea is that is that John Mayer put it really well, is that when you have to think about the fact you're listening to a song or when you're realising that you're thinking, listening to a song, you've fallen off the tightrope. So again, let's take that idea and we'll add in an aspect called listener bandwidth. If you want to think about your internet connection, those times where the whole house is streaming HD Netflix, that bandwidth is huge. You know, we've got a serious amount of attention for something. There's a real capability. Or there's times we've got barely any attention. We can't even get one Zoom call up and going. And this is very much the same with people listening to music. So imagine that person's walking on that tightrope, but also their attention, whether you give them enough information, enough breadcrumbs to walk down the tightrope or not enough, that will cause them to be not motivated to want to go with you, not emotionally connected anymore. So there's this idea that there can be too much information. So you could do full, and this, this links to a later tool, but you could have really strong production. You could be singing at the top of your voice. You could be almost rapping at the top of your voice right at the start of the song. And this is quite risky because people will put their first foot on the tightrope and they might fall off straight away because you've put too much into their bandwidth. There's too much demand for their attention. But equally, if you're not looking at something called trading space, which is done really well, we talked about it before, 
But if you're not giving people enough, so you're leaving too much space between your melodies or there's no production tricks to kind of fill in the space and capture people's attention, you're not giving them enough. You're not making enough demand on their attention. Therefore, they will also fall off the tightrope. So that's listener bandwidth and the tightrope. Anything that's coming to mind, Cal, when you you hear me chat about that? The first thing that came into mind was actually the John Mayer Berkeley lecture that he gives and that great bit in... Again, not giving it away, not giving away too much too soon. Yeah. And, you know, a great guitar solo um, or a great guitar soloist won't come out all guns blazing. Like hit that top the, note full exactly. bend. You know, yeah. And he does a great example of it himself where you've got to, you know, you tease the audience, give them a little bit, you know, and you build up. Think about Marty McFly and Back to the Future. Well, which, and Johnny which you saw Be recently, Good. yeah. <laughs> and that sort of scene at the end there where he's everyone's rocking away to Johnny B. Goods and then at the very end it's sort of everyone's looking at him and he's down on the floor giving it everything. You know, wailing the guitar and it's all distorted and the speakers are going crazy and everyone's kinda of like, Whoa, this is a bit too much. And that's kind of it. Like, you know, yeah. he's gone too far. Literally. And you wanna just slowly build to that that moment where again that hendrix moment where you're down on the floor with your guitar <laughs> and you're setting fire to it yes um, and it's all about yeah but like, like, like you said along on the journey yeah because yeah. like you said we, we, we were lucky enough to see back to the future thanks crystal we were watching the play and you said exactly right when they're playing music that everyone is enjoying they're all dancing and they're not really there they're not thinking like john mayer is saying they're just enjoying it but suddenly when he does something that's too much of a demand on their attention it's too much of a stretch in their imagination suddenly they're out again. They're judging, they're being critical, they're, they're thinking. Um, and one thing as well that, again, that John Mayer lecture is, is holy to us, I think, and other people I've recommended it to. An interesting thing as well is you do have to think about pacing your bandwidth or be- pacing your attention because imagine you've got like the sweetest breadcrumbs are right at the end of your song, they're in your, the end of your bridge. But if you're overloading and blowing people off the tightrope early on, they're never going to get to your bridge. So it's this kind of, Thing is a real balance, and I think that's why we have to have quite a quite a presence when we're doing it. So, again, we're kind of borrowing from a future tool we can talk about called dynamic ceilings. But here are some examples of what can lose people. I find myself actually not only falling off a tightrope of a song that I might well have been liking, but then I actually flip all the way to that ultra critical, even negative side where I'm I'm completely lost. And the biggest one for me is lyrics and the biggest thing is the overuse of cliches non-specific lyrics things i've heard a hundred times that i might listen i might give my attention almost deliberately like i'm forcing myself to get back on the tightrope for a song um if i'm working with clients or people that are sending me music i might be really stretching my patience my attention to pay to pay some attention to this song but i'm hearing seven or eight cliches in a row, which I completely understand is empathetically. I understand why you'd put cliches is what happens. But when you've said eight sentences, 25 seconds, and I don't know what your song is about, I have no idea what this means to you emotionally, um, experientially, anything, people really get lost. And I know that I am really bad for that, but I think that's something that, that people, people might struggle with. Um, another one that can have people being lost is excessive space and not much attention paid to trading space. So like I said, if you are, again, this can go across a whole song or within sections. Say you have a lyric in the verse and there's some artful space. 
Because right at the start of the song, we don't want to demand too much attention. So if you sing a line and leave it a space, people have got time for that. Whereas if you did the same thing in the bridge or later in the song, when Callum's saying, you know, you've got that climax to what we're trying to do. This is the end of the song. If you suddenly add space for no reason or drop it down too far, you don't trade space, you don't add production elements, you lose people. It's another one. Um, and then also a big one we talk about melodic contrasting or a lack of lyrical narrative. These things can cause people to not have enough to stay on the tightrope. They're not being drawn enough because there's no contrast in your melodies. There's no development of your narrative. There's no deep diving. There's no specificity. Mm -hmm. All of these things can be quite dangerous in terms of not giving people enough to go along your tightrope with. And then the other side is things that can overload people. This one's a bit shorter because, again, this is more like what John Mayer is talking about and dynamic scenes, which we talk about in the future. But if you've got too much lyrical or musical information, or it's delivered in a way that is not coherent, so we talked about syllable shaving, or I talk about a lot with clients, is that when someone says something like this and there's a bit too much information, it's done in a way that's not really interesting. There's so many that people just don't have attention for that in music. They will fall off your tightrope quite hard and, again, might swing all the way around to being critical. So, this is the misuse of dynamics, not leaving enough breadcrumbs. So anything, again, when I'm bringing that up that pops up for you, Cal? I think investment was a good buzzword there. Like you're looking for an investment in your song. Yeah. And for people to, to invest and, and, and your, in your songs. And so cliches or de- um, demanding too much attention is going to force people to run. Just like you said, right. you're not in the same way that a business venture might work in that someone's asking you to invest money yeah they're asking you to invest time in your in their yeah songs. exactly it's like uh, i'm not invested in the story there's not enough detail there's not enough information being conveyed in the right way that i am being pulled along in this journey and this but there's something else over here there's another tightrope over here but that's, that's much more point, interesting right? yeah so exactly. if i'm a listener that has the freedom of choice to listen to these two songs, which one am I going to listen to? And the same, again, vice versa, if, if it's too demanding or there's too much, if I'm asking for too much investment, too much money, then quite a basic choice when you, when you break it down. Yeah, but it is that basic. I think the, the idea of investment is a really good idea. It's a great parallel, Cal, because, yeah, if someone's asking you to invest in their business, you might quite like it, you might quite like them, but like you said, the opportunity cost of you listening to this pitch is, well, I'm actually aware of other businesses that I'm really interested in investing my time and money, which is the same thing these days. But equally, like all the time, Cal, goal for the clients that come to me, because I always get asked by people I work with, how do I put it to put it to someone that their songwriting needs work? But of course, that's a hard question. So what I do is, if your goal is to be a touring musician or to sell out a certain amount of tickets or to be on radio, what are you doing? You're emotionally connecting with people. Therefore, if your goal is to emotionally connect and I'm saying that I'm falling off because you're not giving me enough information, then the cost is that someone's not going to want to invest. They might like you again. They might know who you are. They might be friends. But if you're not giving them something that's emotionally connected, that being the tools we talk about, they're not bulletproof. But if you use them all together, like we talked about with the Beatles, you use these things over and over again effectively, does cause people to be very, very invested. And I think that idea of, again, investing, and again, I know it might be repeating the idea, but I really want... To you guys to think about this idea of the tightrope listener bandwidth and like Cal said investment 
because this is not a one-time thing. This is a process that I really want to instill in people that I work with and people that listen to this show, because this is something that you do every single time. And I said earlier, I kind of also hinted to it, but when you suddenly become critical, and we talked about how the critical mind can be very helpful in songwriting, but if it's too critical, actually the idea is, is it's so far away from the right thing is that it's not constructive anymore. It can be quite damaging. This is where people don't enjoy music or don't enjoy writing, but there is a positive side in that I use my critical mind. Like I'm working with, with clients, for example, or I'm writing with artists. And once you've taken the time to create and done something really love, you step back for a minute and you go, hmm, are there any times where I'm underloading the attention? I could add something here just to give people that little breadcrumb to go down the rope. Well, <clears throat> is that lyric exactly the, is that the best way to say that? And it's not always negative to fall off the tightrope. It can be used as a tool. That's why I'm saying it's not the be all and end all if people do fall off. But the idea is that if you understand these two things, listen to bandwidth, which is essentially attention, and then the tightrope, which is investment, the cutthroat examples are like Spotify. Front-loading, so you've got your chorus right at the top, like the Beatles. And if you don't get people, they're going to skip. Because like Cal said, there's way too many songs on Spotify, but there's so, so, so many that just, they're not going to do it. So again, it is that really, I'm just going to hammer it home again, because I think it's so important to understand as you go forward in songwriting, not just sitting at the end of this episode and going, okay, I've got it. Talk about that is like, what can you really bring to it so that when you're writing, you're thinking, am I on the tightrope? Is the listener on the tightrope? Or just do with some of the songs. I was going to say, I, I don't really want to name any specific songs because I don't think that's fair. But I would say that we are spoiled with the level of songwriting that we hear on an everyday basis that really does adhere to people's investment and attention. Mm. And at a time like this, where you know people are literally fighting for your attention on social media and TikTok, that's how you get ahead. Um, this is something you really have to understand. We understand it in, in TikTok or, or social media or advertising, but to understand it in songwriting is, is practically using these school, um, skills sorry, to keep people on your tightrope in your, in your building. I think if you um, were going to go and do something practical, a good thing to do would be pick your favorite album by your favorite artist and go and listen to it on repeat. Mm. And how are they, you know, using this to bandwidth? It? How are they keeping you on the tightrope with them? Obviously, there'll be songs that aren't hits. There'll be songs that that would have been played on radio. Maybe that, maybe not. Maybe it's an album that wasn't a popular one. But the point is, is that if it's a, a favorite of yours and it's a it's an album that and an artist that you or songwriter you want to write like, listen to it and follow the journey of the record and the songs and how yeah. they're keeping you on that on the tightrope on that tightrope and that's okay. a great point because actually you'll find that for example we've talked a lot about chris stapleton or a john mayer record or a ben howard record like they will keep you on the tightrope in different ways in the same album because mm. only love you know yeah. darling i feel you under completely different to something like burr island which is on another record it's oats in the water mm. i think or something like that but it's not that you have to use the same tools to keep people on their tightrope is that you have to keep people on your tightrope. That's what we're talking about. Or, or a very lyrical song that talks about, talk about Ralph Murphy's boxes of adding detail as you go through the song. That's breadcrumbs, right? It, it's what are you suggesting at the start that people can have paid off at the end? It's like films. And again, I'm hammering it home, but there's Spotify, there's TikTok, there's films, there's conversation, there's public speaking. Um, 
even a tool I like to use is you go, okay, there's three things about free writing templates. And as soon as you establish three things, that's like going, there's some really good breadcrumbs, just lay it down the tightrope. If you bear with me now, I'll explain them. Mm. These tricks are everywhere. They're not tricks really. I mean, they are in a sense, but just we really want you guys to to get this down. And again, it's a really helpful part of your critical side of your process. Once you've, once you've done some good creating, the critical side is, is super important, I think. Mm. And uh, a little tip from the king. Max Martin talks about a technique of only introducing one element at a time. Mm. So to not great one uh, be too demanding to the listener and introduce too much information at one time. So let's say your song starts with a guitar riff. Uh, let's uh, one of his songs would uh, be uh, "Since You've Been Gone" by Kelly Clarkson. You know, I think it starts with that din 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 guitar, and then the drums, and then her voice comes in, and every sort of section or few bars, another element of the music one, comes right? in, That's but one, one at a yeah. time. You yeah. know, it's not like we're getting everything coming in at once. It's one thing at a time. And so, and that's a really great tip to help, again, subconsciously as a listener, you don't even realize it's going on. No, that's the genius, right? And that's it. But that's such a good point because it, again, bandwidth is adding things one at a time mm. until at the end, you, you, you're asking quite a lot of people's bandwidth, their attention, but you're doing it bit by bit. And that's what you're saying is like Cal saying, by the end of the song, you might've had a bass, a vocal extra progression, you might have had synths, you've had harmonies, you've had breakdowns and come downs, but everyone's there, they're ready, they're part of it. It's not mm. that you can't have a lot, it's that you have to add it one, one by one, breadcrumb yeah. by breadcrumb. And then often you'll get maybe a break where, again, it's back to just maybe guitar and vocalist before the final, you know, massive outro Push. or chorus at yeah. the end, yeah. And that's when everything's in and we get that massive payoff. It's a great one. And even talking Max Martin, so Dennis Pop, who was his mentor, the, the father of modern pop music, if you will, he would go in Stockholm and play their records before they'd release them on dance floors. And he'd be watching people's reactions and looking at their attention. Are they on the tightrope? So they're on the tightrope. If I play this version, are they still dancing by mm. the bridge? If I play this version, he would continually go back and change them. And that's what you're doing is you're testing it. If you have a chance to, or Josh Gleaves was talking about testing it on crowds. Mm. This is all the same thing. But I'm trying to say, I'm stressing this as a structure, as a, as an approach, because it's not necessarily the same thing that will have the same effect on everyone. Like Kyle's saying, it's like your favorite record might not be someone else's favorite record, but for them, they're pulled along the tightrope for all these different reasons. So that is listener bandwidth and the tightrope. Again, I really want to stress that it's a process like the creative and the critic. It's not a one-off thing. It's something I want people to really get their heads around. Is there anything else that you were thinking on that before we jump off the discussions? One final thing for me would be uh, something that pops up in songwriting a lot. And I know a lot of people, including myself, struggle with, and that's second verse hell. Second verse hell. Yeah. Okay, go. Well, I've got something after that, but yeah. And the listener bandwidth, again, it, when it comes to a listener... Um, being a listener, second verses can be a nightmare to write, yep. but also to listen to. Because sometimes someone starts with a great verse, they have a great chorus, but then the second verse, you know, it, it falls off. There's no development. That's the word, development. Mm. So what can you do that's really interesting with your second verse? How can exactly, you keep exactly. people on that tightrope with you? You know, can, you know, a good tip might be take your lyrics from your first verse. And make them, you know, make your first verse your second verse. 
And Ralph then, Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Ralph yeah. Murphy to rewrite your first verse, start from, start from scratch again. Um, new context, development, change the perspective. The A box, your, you know, your A um, has to get bigger, basically. What yes. new information um, are we guessing? It develops on the chorus and the previous verse sections. Yeah, because the first verse, like we might love it because it's perfectly spaced and, and presented to us that we're like, well, that was really good. That was really um, empathetic of my attention. It, it understood that I wanted to be taken piece by piece, like Max Martin's talking about breadcrumbs. But then when you hear the same thing, it's normally the same melody restructured with new lyrics, right? That's what you're saying. But there's a few things you can do. So one, like Cal is saying, is your verse two can be half the length of your first verse. You can be mm. using the same melodies, but just develop a bit of the story and only ask half as much of their attention. But what I like to really do and have done recently with something, uh, two projects recently, and a good example is a song called Not Good at Not Falling in Love by Morgan Wallen. So what you do is you get to that halfway through your second verse, which is the same A section, but suddenly halfway through your second verse, you introduce something completely new. It's not your pre-chorus. It's not your bridge. It's not your chorus. It's a whole new section and often it's contrasted. So I love the example of not good at not falling in love is because he goes from the, the normal pace of what we've established in verse one. He's come off the second chorus, verse one, second half of that second verse. He goes, dancing in slow motion, your hands on your knee, something like that. He starts to pick up the triplets, contrasting rhythms and melodies because he knows that you're lagging at that point. You know, you just need something to get over the line because then it's chorus, bridge, end, and you're there. That's the, this is this crucial point, actually. Maybe I just thought of this now, but this is like the middle of the tightrope, whether it's lowest point, it's least stable. Like this is where you really have to be clever and tightening that so that people want to come, you know, lots of breadcrumbs down in the middle of your tightrope because this second verse is a crucial point where people might skip, drop mm -hmm. off. So again, Justin Bieber's amazing at this, a song called Monster. We talked about it before, a song of the week, but he essentially puts a whole structure of an ABC into where his second verse feature is. Again, Peaches, we talked about that song. It is scattered around. The, the greatest don't just copy. I think so, yeah, that's an awesome point, Callum. And again, visually, if you want to look at it, put loads of breadcrumbs in the middle of that tightrope where this, it's the least slack because people are going to need that support in the middle. Mm. That's worked out a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, that's when you're, again, people are most likely to fall off your tightrope when you're yeah. then going back into... Right, because we talked about ABC. We've said it all the time, but I even myself, I'm like, I get to second verse of any song. I'm like, like, oh, I think yeah. I know what's coming. Here. I want to hear more and it's familiar, you know, and I want to hear more. But yeah. if you then go somewhere, when you take the story somewhere that's boring, it's going to be a real letdown. Yeah, or, or what happens a lot, right? Yeah. Who takes the second verse? The feature. Mm. You might yeah. have a rapper. You might have a, a, a lot of um, really nice duets. You know, that's where this, the story will develop. Like Callum's saying, the really crucial parts. So again, that's worked really well in the analogy of tightrope listener bandwidth. And also something just subtle that Cal's reminded me of is that, like you said, is that it's not that people's attention, uh, it's not that people don't want a lot of information. Because like you said, after that chorus, which is really demanding, that they, they love it. They'll have been waiting. There's tension and resolve. They go, oh, I needed that chorus. It was great. You know, the melody was really, really beautiful. And it was very dynamic. But then after that, we talk about contrasting a lot on this show, but you contrast down to your verse this is this crucial part where you go, well, what can you bring? You know, and it's new lyrics, like Cal said, that they work for that first half. So your first half of what would be a full length verse, that works. But then this is the crucial middle of the tightrope where people need 
a second verse feature. They need it. Maybe you go straight to the pre-chorus or you go straight to the chorus or you bring in a feature. So production elements can be cool too. Vocal effects, anything that will bring people in. That's that's an awesome. Thanks for that, man, because that's really cool. It's brought some extra stuff that I'm going to fold back to people as I work with them because it, it's a nice way of, you know, for me, it's like very ethical. This is this show, you know, we tell people practical things they can do. You don't need to hang off someone um, the whole time. So this is awesome. So we are going to add on. We've been lucky enough to have a bunch of questions which we really want to get to. But just before that, we're going to do a little bit of a discussion. We want to try and add these points and we might do it as kind of like a jump away bit. But for now, we're going to be doing discussion points, hopefully every show because we realize we've got topics. We also think it's really important just to get a few crucial things in. So this one was inspired by the great queen. Happy birthday yesterday, I think. Jodie Brunning, who came onto our show and she talked about how it's not about networking. It's about relationships. And how do we approach people to create ethical and real relationships? That's what we're going to be talking about. And again, we want to keep it pretty tight. And the most helpful way, because we talk a lot about theory, we ask a lot of your attention. But for this one, I want to keep it pretty practical. So for example, Ed Graves, if you remember, he was one of the first guests we had on this show. And this podcast, I'll be honest, was, was a big part of it for me was to meet really incredible people, to learn from them, and then develop from their relationships like I had with Ed Graves. So to talk about how we ethically build relationships. It's not transactional. It's not just networking. I reached out to Ed and I've been extremely clear about the fact that I thought he was doing some incredible work. The way he goes about what he does is is really impressive. And I always learn so much around him. But again, it is reaching out and trying to create a relationship, trying to build something. Um, So with Ed, again, I worked with him the other day and we're working with each other tomorrow and through the week. We're spending a lot of time together working, but that came about from me seeking out someone who I thought was really, really smashing it and hopefully bringing what I can bring to that too. And this, I credit to my friend Salika One, who have a lot of, um, a lot, I owe a lot to this man. But he said, you know, how can you meet people that you really want to work with? And a second example, because again, we're on the topic of how we do this ethically, is a guy called Pete Kirtley. So Jordan Lees, who's on the show we've interviewed, he mentioned Pete in passing. And I had to then just find this guy. Who is this guy? What does he do? Found him on LinkedIn or something like that. And just opened the conversation, said, Hey, Jordan mentioned I should be in touch. And Pete again, won't mind me saying any of this, because this is the point is that you're doing this ethically. You're doing it in a relationship building kind of way. So I went and found Pete and just started to ask him about what he did. And I think in a way you are asking the right questions that you are genuinely showing that you're interested, that you want to work. And from that point, you know, I managed to then call Pete. And, and since then, we've, we've been working on a number of projects and he's been extremely generous with his time. Every time I speak to Pete, I'm learning something about music, about writing, about business, about he's been and done it. But crucially, if you pick someone who is as kind as Pete or as talented as Ed as well, these people who have a real open hand and the idea is that you're bringing a skill set, you're bringing work, you're bringing the people that you have relationships with too, you know, bringing your circle to their circle to create a better one, as opposed to just looking at how do I knock down the door of the Hollywood circle, the golden circle, quote unquote, of people that are writing number ones who are hidden away. We can't get hold of these people. I don't know if that's the right way to go. So how can you create the next circle that's going to be at the top in, in the five, 10 years? And again, it's not a quick fix, but finding really crucial collaborators, mentors, 
and even creating relationships with people that you can help who may not be at the same level as you in in some skill sets and i think that even applies to collaborators but how can you help people how can you bring them up how can you give away what you know um in order to help others because this is the stuff that again if we're being ethical comes around and helps you so that's a kind of quick one was there anything cal that you thought angles wise or what would you add to that if i had anything to add it would be to be a go-giver there's a book buy it um buy it yeah amazing only you know only approach people you're really passionate about working with and if you can't help someone do you know someone who can yeah so well said oh i have to shout out a guy called julian honinger from make pop music and again make pop music that's an example callum and i've talked about this before is that you go into that group you're not this is not transactional like grace was talking about this is not you expecting something for something this is you going here is what i do or here is what i'm hoping to do is there anyone else who would also like to do this with me it's it's not as simple as that there is some finesse which is why the go-giver being a connector which is what callum's talking about if we're going to talk about the vernacular of the go-giver but a guy called julian honinger from make pop music when i met him again he's He's doing extremely well for himself, but you would never know because he's so kind. He sends gifts to his clients. He's always in touch. He's there for people. He wants to help. He he got my business started and found so many clients for me and people I still work with today. And the point of this is it's ethical. People want to form new relationships. They want to help people that provide value. And like Callum's saying, the go-giver is for me the most important thing. When I work with people, it's really about, can I provide some value for you first? And then we'll talk about working together. Um, and the closest relationships I have with some of the producers there, we have a we have this mastermind business group, which is really, uh, it's really, really wholesome thing to be a part of because everyone there is about providing value first. And then let's talk about working together. And I think that is kind of a bit of a departure, but yeah, Callum's like, buy that book, the go-giver, everyone I speak to, it's, it's, it's really affordable. And if anything, it should cost more for how, it's kind of like these frameworks it's not a be all and end all steps one two and three it's more of about philosophy and how we build these relationships like uh our lady Browning told us mm. anything else you want to jump on that before we go to questions no i think we should dive into these these great questions we've been yeah have been submitted yeah so first of all i would like to say thank you so the, these have been um these have been collated. They're people I work with. Some of them, some of them come literally from sessions the other day and some people have come through Instagram because they follow the show. But we want to say questions, however you want to get them to us. You see us in the street. Obviously, we're pretty recognizable being podcasters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, but if you want to reach out, I wish I knew that about songwriting, my Gmail and Instagram, let us know or through Facebook, whatever you want to do. Um, question number one. I would love to say that I... I'm confident pronouncing her name despite us having had many conversations, but Orcs submitted this question. And I think it's a brilliant one. She sent me this, she, she makes, she has these wonderful voice notes that she sends me. But she said, I may have got this wrong in terms of exact quotes, but this is definitely what she wanted to ask. So I'm looking forward to this. But when you're writing fictional songs, that being made up, how do you know the best place to go with your narrative and with your lyrics when the possibilities are almost endless? because it's not a real story, right? It's not a real experience that had defined changes and, and, and chapters and progression. This is essentially endless. And how do I avoid, avoid, sorry, how do I avoid being generic? So what, what do you think about that? And thank you for the question. 
I think that this is a great question. So thank you, Orcs, for submitting the question. And I would go about this very much. Um, we've talked about prosody Ooh. on the show. So imagine what's happening in your fictional story as right. if it were a movie. And then determine um, some form of lyrical theme, which um, I would then brainstorm. You know, brainstorm associated ideas, phrases, buzzwords, and then look for different ways to say what you want to say. Yeah. Google quote images. You know, Pinterest is great as well. Yeah. For finding images, collating sort of like a, a notebook, I guess. Or yeah. A, yeah. And then plan your plan the layout of your song. So remember, ABC songwriting. You know, you only need. 90 seconds of music, rough, you know, roughly four sections of lyrics. Pretty much, um, yeah. Five of you are going to do a middle eight or a bridge. Um, and then finally, you know, ask yourself, why does your song exist? You know, That's the question, right? Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah, I think, um, really sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, because uh, I think it's really important that we do, and try, do try and say that. But um, really good point there, Carl, because actually... Like I always encourage, whether the song is made up or not, you should be singing about something. This is what I said to her. You should be singing about something. And I use the word should very rarely, but you should be singing about something that's important to you. Hmm. Even if it's made up, what's the emotion here? And, and then when she's asking about how do you know whether to go left or to go right? It's like Callum saying is like, if there's every possibility in the world, like we said, actually we need some form of restriction. So I think the idea is to have a narrative even if it's made up, is you decide on a narrative because we know that our brains cannot work with limitless possibility. I really struggle with that. You know, in terms of scheduling, there's seven options. We won't pick the best one often, but even if we pick one, we'll have anxiety about the others. So this is what she's talking about, having that anxiety of going, have I chosen the right thing? So then our question is, well, what do you want to say? Like I say is, this is a film. If your song was a film, what do you want people to be walking out the cinema talking about with your song? So again, picking something really crucial and how you pick left and right is where do you want the story to go? What emotion do you want to evoke? And like Cal's saying is if you use things, um, inspiration aids, visual aids, you know, Ed, Ed Graves talked about writing one of these cut, one of the songs is out now. It's called Deeper um, with A-Lock. Um, he used footage from Interstellar, the film. Mm. It's a very space themed song. So he used visual aids. Like that, and this does really nicely connect to Emily's question. But is there anything else you would like to say to the lovely, the lovely orcs? That's actually quite a good one there. With, um, I mean, m movies are a great way. You yeah. Know, when you're not, unfortunately, it doesn't quite relate to this because we're talking specifically about lyrics mm. um, and but, how you stop being generic, right? But yeah. I, that's what we'll answer that in a second. But yeah. But you know, I, I know. A great exercise I did was when I tried to write music to a movie scene, oh, cool. a cinematic theme or cinematic soundtrack. And so when you've just got the moving in image, I think I took a James Bond that the chase scene from that um, Casino Royale. I got it. The beginning yeah. of that, whacked that into Logic, and just tried to make, just tried to compose something to that. And so when it, that is a great aid when you've got a moving image that and, and stuff that's going on. So it's like, okay, yeah, well, you know, he's moving through the jungle and he's yeah. we've got a leap there. We've got a bit of action here. And even if you can use the, because also you've got the original piece of music that you can use as a reference as well. Yeah. 
So that is a good little exercise to do as, as far as having something to compose to. And so there's also a way you can sort of find, because obviously that doesn't help when it comes to lyrics, but that's where picture, having pictures on your wall or again, a Pinterest account where you're collating, you know, you've got different folders for like, say your songs about, say it's a barbecue Mm. or a certain thing in the summer and you're collating all these, so you're collating all these images of summer and certain things. That's one folder and you've got all these pictures that then you're then able to link to, and it'll give you images and certain phrases and potentially metaphors as well that, which again, but is they're relevant to go yeah. on to, um, that you won't have thought of, you know, cause you may not have experienced them. Yourself, well, yourself. She, yeah, she was talking about experiences and I think, I have to be honest that I would recommend picking a narrative or something that's close to your heart. It doesn't have to have happened to you, so it can still be fictional. But again, if it's if it's not in some way specific, like Cal's saying, if it's not got some way of developing, or a great example is um, if you take, there's, there's a certain structure that scriptwriters will use. Things like, you know, the opening or the revival or Dark Knight of the Soul, you'll see these different cadences within films different things go and look at those go and look well if we're not thinking about a song but let's look at how you would lay out a narrative a written story how would you know how would you lay that out and what are the components of each chapter lyrically start collating through your free writing templates through your through your pinterest images words aids that also line up with you having chosen a story right because your goal here is 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 to write something that has a start and an end and a middle and that's a really simple way but look at those intricacies and how you can do that. Um, question number two from Emily Tallman. And Emily's amazing. I love working with Emily. The first time we had a call, again, just a value call to start with was she got everything straight away. You know, I said that and she just went, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. this thing, right? And and then later down the line, we started working on some sessions and she had this wonderful question, which is, what is the best way to come up with original metaphors? And is it even possible? So I would like to offer something that I offered to, to Emily, because I think this is such a great question. I thanked her for it. So um, I'll use the examples. I was working with um, Ellie Mason, Elise Mason. Go and check her out. She's amazing. We work on Monday with, with Ed. And we ended up with a lyric we were both super, super proud of. And the metaphor is passing ship kisses. So that meaning that when you're in relationships that are not that serious, not that committal, that you're like passing ships, literally, and it's passing ship kisses. And when we put those two things together, it was like, awesome. But Emily's question is, okay, and similar to Tyler, sometimes I'll speak to Tyler about things I've written. He'll go, well, but that's fine. I understand where you got to, but how did you get there? So this is my proposal of how you would manufacture this. And this is a practical example. So this at least worked for me and has worked other times before, but Find something you care about. So I sat with Ellie in, in the studio. And we were talking about this idea she'd sent me. And the idea was that she's in... As a young woman, she finds it's not always appropriate to focus on her career. So the relationships she has, she sometimes has to be quite clear that, well, I, I'm enjoying this and I really like you, but my focus is my career. That was the idea. We found something she cared about. Next, free writing template. So Emily, it's find something you care about, then free writing template. And do this really go through it as we did and again with ellie in the session 
we started to find out all these things. Just start basic. That's the whole point of the template. It's not about being super clever. Just start working out. And we were doing that, went through our gaps, went through everything that we were thinking about. Gaps, sorry, doesn't make sense. We went through our sections, you know, first top of the mind, things that come straight away. And eventually the next stage is you highlight a detail and suddenly you go, hmm, something's nautical here. You go, okay, so nautical themes. What have we got? We've got anchors. We've got cutting ropes. Again, things that are relevant to relationships. You start to establish a theme. That's what I'd like to think about. And the next stage is once you have a theme, like Callum's saying, is you suddenly start to find that there are certain metaphors associated with that theme. And you go, okay, cool, metaphors. That's great. But the question is original metaphors. So again, my example is passing ship kisses. So from the start, let's do again. We've got something you care about, free writing template, detail, establishing a theme, looking for associated metaphors. And then this is the last part, which is the kind of, it is a sprinkle of magic. I've tried to do as many steps as possible, but it is about sitting in the room and spitballing ideas. But you go from all these themes and suddenly I went, okay, cool, got it. Passing ship kisses. So hopefully, Emily, that makes sense. And again, we we went through that in a session already. So I know that she's got that. And she said herself, she was still kind of buoyed a few days later, just glowing were her words from doing it because she realized that it was possible. It's not going from one to seven. That's why I work and what I work on doing is it's going from one, two, three, four, five. There is a bit of a gap. So it's probably one, two, three, four, five, seven. There's a little bit of magic you do have to put in there, which comes from time. And equally, it's cliche conversion, which we talk about. So I took a cliche, which is passing ships, something we know about, which is kisses, but you put them together in a special way. You can do this, find your own themes. Again, rewind the episode because I won't repeat it for the eighth time. Paul Callum here. But that's something that Emily brought. And uh, thank you again, Emily. I love working with you and uh, super sharp. I love what you do. And uh, what are you thinking, Cal? If I had anything else to add for anyone that struggles to come up with original metaphors, it would be to go and read Writing Better Lyrics by my main man, (laughs) Pat Patterson. The dude. He has a section in that book on making on making metaphors. And how oh, cool. He talks, you know, about how great metaphors support lyrics like bone. Um Oh Pat. Yeah. The king. And so, you know, a metaphor is a collision basically between ideas that don't get along. Metaphor is a collision between ideas that don't get along. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Essentially he breaks it down to three types, different types of metaphors in his book. And exercises also, he also brings in exercises that'll help you to practice coming up with a few of your own. Yeah, it's a practical book, well. isn't it, actually? Yeah, it's yeah. cool. So I would really recommend starting here. And I'll also uh, drop a little teaser in the show notes Do it. for you guys to go off and check out. And if that helps you, then yeah. I really recommend diving into the book for more. Yeah, definitely. Dude. A couple of people I've worked with recently have gone writing better lyrics. They bought it or they already had it. They were really interested. And it's just that literature that's everywhere, you know, underpins everything from John Mayer to people starting out. So it's awesome. And it's practical. We're doing our best here. And again, if we're going back to question one, if you're looking at your free writing, you avoid trying to avoid being generic. This is the point, right? Is that you're really looking like Pinterest is great or visual aids. So questions one and two are are similar. There's subtleties there. And again, I know I've spoken to them both so that they would have had benefit from that. But for those of you guys listening at home, again, rewriting template has been really central to both of the answers here because you do have to establish a lot of detail. And um, 
you know, in previous great songwriters we've talked about, it's it's about going back. It, it is creating and starting. But give yourself a chance, you know, break down the steps for when you're not feeling it, for when that idea doesn't just land in your hands um, as songwriters. Now we have a final question, which we've, we've kind of talked about a little bit, but Stuart Bruce, who's kind enough, he reached out by Instagram. So thanks for, thanks for following along. And again, I just love hearing from people. It's like when Grace popped out of the woodwork, you know, it felt like a new member of the family because they're just so interested in what we're doing. So Stuart's question, how can I move towards getting my first cut and working as a songwriter with artists? What are you thinking, Cal? This one, I think, comes down to networking. I know it's, yes. it's a dirty a word, dirty word. <laughs> but that's what people know. But, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, you need to get out and start meeting some artists that you really, really want to work with or you're passionate you yeah. know, about working with. Talk to people. You never know who might be on the cusp of something great. Mm. So start working with artists and people that, again, you're really passionate about their music, their sound, something. Yeah they got going because this is the best way to start growing a team that you know we were talking about before when it came to uh how to approach people and create ethical and real relationships yeah, literally, and growing yeah. you know starting to grow this team we've also talked about the looking list i think in the past yes we, yeah yeah that's a paid for service but it's a great way to if you're not sort of if you're just looking to sort of get cuts or what's sort of going on to know what's going on exactly that's a good way to just yeah, start a great one that's how i started yeah didn't get anything from it but you learn like what's relevant right but exactly yeah. yeah i can tell you one thing though that's for sure you're not going to get a cut if you do what i do and that's just <laughs> what's that <laughs> keep your music stored on a hard drive <laughs> so you know the more you write the more you record and, re- and most importantly, release, release and show, like and show and knock on yeah, and knock on people's doors, right. Know, the closer you're going to get towards getting your first cut, you know, one of the best modern day examples would be Ed Sheeran. We mm. were talking about him the other night and how he was. Everyone knew who he was. I've heard yeah, so many executives are like I've had uh, record de- record meetings or stuff recently. Or Nathan when he came in, you know. Mm. Nathan was very kind, but I've heard some people talking about Ed as like, you know, I couldn't get rid of him, you know, at a certain yeah. point. But that's an amazing point, Carol, because it's it's that case of... Uh, so it's not just you. That's really cool that you've offered that because I've definitely, eight months ago, no one knew anything I'd written at all. You know, it, it, the quality doesn't matter if no one knows what it is. Um, so having a portfolio is one thing, but, but equally it's that idea of... Um, so Vincent Berry, who's a songwriter, he's written some things with with Beyonce I believe so he's done okay in his time but he said exactly the same thing he said do I want two percent royalties on a song for Beyonce to sing or do I want zero because it's still sat on my hard drive mm. it's yeah it's that's that's the idea and um that's that's a great answer dude. I love that and um if I was going to add again I'm tr- trying to add practical examples of things that things that I've done myself like cow things you're not doing or doing hopefully it's 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 helpful either way but Ellie Mason, again, she won't mind me, me chatting about because she's absolutely incredible. The best voices I've been in the room with as well. And Ed and I were exchanging looks like this person. is She's serious, but she's absolutely lovely, really hardworking. But the example is that Ed and I were looking for people to work with. You know, we have, we feel like we do okay in terms of what we can produce and what we've done together. It doesn't matter. That's like having Cal saying like, we've got great songs, but they're stuck mm-hmm. in a portfolio. 
so we saw Ellie Mason, we saw her in like a new, new Music UK, essentially. And we looked at her and went, oh, she looks like she's doing really well, you know, on Spotify. And I don't know if we can really, don't know if we'd be able to write with her. Same way as like looking at the looking list and going, oh, that would be great. But, but then we put together a list and again, through collaboration with Ed Graves, Pete Kirtley, we said, hey, we, we'd love to work with her. And she, Ed would smash the sound. I know it. And Pete went, oh, I know Ellie. I've been, I've been working a little bit with Ellie. And suddenly there's that warm introduction. And then against you, like this is not just you, mate. This is me trying to live by this. But I didn't just then send her an email. I said, Pete, hey, you know, what? She, she's playing a show. And I was like, where? In London. So I went to the Bedford in London and I watched Ellie play with her band, like shout out James as well and Ollie who played with her. Um, and she was amazing. She was amazing. You know, she's absolute standout. And then I met her afterwards and we bonded over the fact we hate small talk. Mm. And so I remember her laughing about it and, we were, and just suddenly you're like, okay, this is building relationships. That's what it is. And again, Stuart, it's a great question. But then here we are, fast forward a, a couple, you know, a month or two after I first saw her, we sat on the sofa. I just said to her, you know, a few months ago, we were looking at you online, not in a weird way, like just that's what you do. You're actively looking for people. It doesn't come to you. We thought, oh, we probably won't be able to get her. And here you are having written one of her favorite songs ever. You know, she was setting up her TikTok again, separate point. She works really hard on that. It's awesome. And her Spotify. But she had such an incredible time, top to bottom. And that's how it's not even out yet. You know, Ed and I are not putting any pressure on that, but what Stuart is saying is how can I move towards getting my first cut and working with artists? I think Ed and I will have our first cut on something else, which we can talk about when that comes out. But I really think that's the way Jodie Brunning, whom everyone knows and loves because they should. She's awesome. Mm. Relationships. So Hawks, Emily, Stuart, we are not having a go we think you guys are the absolute lifeblood of this because you will ask a question that you think is specific to you, but I guarantee this will help so many other people. So um, people like you deserve little medals. But hopefully if we've answered your questions, then you can take something away and uh, we'd love to hear from you, whether it's helpful. And any of you guys out there as well, they've got more questions, just shoot them over. Anyway, we'll get hold of them. So yeah, hopefully you enjoyed that. It was a bit different. Um, we thought cover some tools. We can do some discussions and some questions. We really want to get questions done. So hopefully you've stayed on the tightrope with us. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're currently splattered across the pavement. But thank you guys so much again, and particularly those of you who are reaching out, saying hello, coming out of the woodwork, finding us and sending in questions. But even if you're not, like it doesn't matter. We, we see you guys listening and thank you so much. And we hope it's helpful. If you want to reach out to us in terms of getting some free resources, then please do that. I will send you that pod at gmail.com. Yeah. And we'll also put our website, which will be up pretty, it'll be up when this comes out yeah. where you can get free resources downloading which including these great books we love uh, the resources we talk about it's not rocket science we just want to share it with you guys so thank you have an amazing evening and go steady on the tightrope peace Ooh. one last thing yeah it's Jamie here one last thing before we finish this episode um, listener bandwidth and the tightrope again I really hope we made sense of it for you and we've got some practical explanations of that also coming up the reason for that is a lovely lovely man called Mark Jones reached out. He sent us one of his songs called Another World to listen to. And a quick story on Mark. He reached out, I think, last week, pinged him back an email. We started talking because he's one of these amazing people that's kind of found what we're doing, like Grace Jackson before. And these people are really special to me. I know Callum as well. I always pass it on. And we're both just so taken aback with the fact that people find it useful. And Christine as well, she reached out this week. Um, it's just so awesome that people are finding this useful. Callum and I started this being nerdy in our in our rooms a while ago. So it's amazing to find people and get beautiful guests and beautiful people sending in their songs. So 
Another world, we're going to take a listen in just a second. And what we're going to do as normal, like we did with Tom Farley, for those of you that don't know, we do accept songs if you want us to do public feedback on the show. And Mark emailed and said, I mean, really, really lovely things about the show that I'd still hold very close to my heart. So it's great to meet him and so enthusiastic and in love with the idea of the practical side of things. And he's a fan of the same shows that we're the fan of. Um, so awesome. Gonna let you get into this, but if you want to send in a song, let us know. We will be happy to do it on the show for you. Um, just myself today, but of course, we hear everything that comes in and we cannot wait to meet more of you. So thank you very much. This is Another World by Mark Jones. That was Another World by Mark Jones. I think he has another stage name, so I hope he doesn't mind, but I really wanted to shout out him personally because he's just a wonderful guy who's kind of overflowing with energy. I think he smashed through like 20 episodes in a four-hour show, um, in, in a four-hour period, sorry, of the show. So again, thank you so much for that. I love it. So that was Another World, and I think he recorded this on his phone, right? He said he goes to a corner of his house away from his kids and his family and just records into his phone and then puts it through a website called BandLab, which I think you guys should go and check out as well. Let's talk about the song. There are so many things that I love about it. Um, again, Mark told me he kind of started writing when he was younger and then recently in his life, he kind of wanted to do that again. Um, so I just love the fact that he's come to us with this. For me, I think the chorus was in incredibly strong. I was singing it, you know, as soon as, we, as soon as I finished listening to it the first time, I was already singing that hook. It was really clean. It's beautifully kind of repeated. Even the register of his voice at times when it's kind of quite husky and I think that works really well. It's kind of the emotive tone, that, that, that kind of fifth dimension of singing, the fourth dimension of singing. Um, so that's brilliant. And the hook, to me, is a really nice <clears throat> stepwise progression to his melodies. So you've got the verse through to the pre. The pre feels like a massive pre-chorus. It's got that lovely harmony coming in as well, <clears throat> which is really useful for you guys to kind of to listen to as well. Because it does a big thing for lifting a song if you want to do that through your sections. And then when the chorus hits, we know we're at the chorus. He's kind of put it up in his, re in his register, taking melodic contrasting really to heart. Um, so I think there's a lot to love there about that. We know where we are through each section. We're kind of pulled in, drawn in. He's even got elements of trading space with that kind of synth feel going in between. I believe it's the first part of the verse and also after the chorus, the kind of post-chorus feeling. Um, the one thing I would say to Mark, um, especially based on today's subject, listener bandwidth and the tightrope, if you think about how interesting his pre was, how interesting his chorus was, how enjoyable they are and how they feel like what he's really trying to say. For me, I think the verse tended to kind of not give me enough to play with in terms of listener bandwidth. It wasn't pulling me along his tightrope. It wasn't really engaging everything like the pre, like the chorus did and like the other sections of the song. Um, there's a couple of things. So I think when you're singing low in your register, some of the notes when you came down to resolve um, well, maybe just kind of right at the edge of your range, which is fine. But as a listener, sometimes that, that can put us off a tiny bit um, as if that was a very small thing. But really, I think the pacing of your verse might be a bit too sparse, meaning there's a bit too much space or there's not enough kind of changes to have people really pulled into your verse. And in terms of the lyrics as well, I think we definitely benefit from doing some free writing templates there, really looking at what is this song about? What exactly do I want to say? And as Ralph Murphy does, how do we pull people in with imagery, story and promises in those first two lines? How do we do that? I also think some of the stressing, those kind of stressing certain words um, that are slightly like not native to stress when you speak English. So when we sing, actually, we do pick up on those things. So um, without, you know, without going too specifically, I think going back to your free writing, looking at your 
kind of storyboarding elements and how do I really put this together? Because you've got these beautiful melodies from the pre through to the chorus. So I would look at probably reworking your verses, really thinking first about what do I want to write? How do I explain that? Working a lot behind the scenes before you come to melody and then sitting with melodies that you feel like really draw people in. Um, Because you can clearly do that in your pre and your chorus. So to me, it just feels like with this song, Another World, I really want you to explore those verses more. That would be my my thoughts because again like i think when you get to the pre you bring the harmony it's beautiful i know where we're going in terms of the story once we get to the chorus and we can work backwards but i'd love to have that kind of that nashville setup that ralph murphy idea if you will um so again thank you mark thank you so much i just very hesitant to be critical at all but he did ask for it he wanted us to to share it with you guys so i think it's a brilliant song again if you put that together on your phone and then put it through band lab um super impressive and it was just such, such a pleasure to meet you. And just, I just, as soon as I saw the email, I had to get straight back to him because he had some amazing stuff to say about the fact he's kind of started writing again in his forties. And we talked about Liz Rose, who, who I think is an absolute queen doing what she does. And I think it's Travis Flowers. I could be really wrong there, but there are other writers I said to him that are, you know, well into their forties before they kind of turned around and started to look at writing. So yeah, again, I think it's awesome. And, and I spoke to, to Christine as well who spoke to us and she's at a different part of her life, but she just, she really picked up on melodic contrasting. She told me I had this, this wonderful voice note from, from her on, on our Instagram page. And I just, I love hearing from people and the fact that there's, you know, there's this woman who's going between shows and looking after her family and writing songs and loves music theory. And she found melodic contrasting really useful. And um, it was really cool because there was this contrast, forgive the pun, of Christine who was kind of dipping in and diving, you know, while she's driving to shows or looking after her family. And like, I love that. That's perfect. That's why we're doing these kind of segments going forward, um, which you'll be seeing very soon. And then we have Mark, who I think he sat down over four hours, like I said, and just listened to, you know, one to 20 of our show and um, shout out to Jody as well. Jody Brunning. I think everyone that hears what Jody has to say just feels like they can go and do it in their life. So um, yeah, I love Jody. I can't wait to see her again soon, but it's cool that people are finding different ways to enjoy the show and Callum and I will be working really hard to make sure that the things you like are still there, but also we're going to be bringing up some of the older gems that I think are really interesting for you guys going forward. So look out for those as we go forward to kind of segments, the moments that come up in between the bigger episodes, got some amazing stuff on the way. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. I cannot wait to meet more of you and I really look forward to getting on the phone and hearing more about exactly what you do. So from Callum and I, it's all the love in the world. Thank you again, Mark Jones. And Another World is a beautiful song. And just go back, work a few bits out. You'll be swimming. Amazing, guys. Thank you so much. And can't really do much more than say thank you. Doesn't feel like enough, but yeah, it's awesome. Can't wait to meet more of you. Bye. To find out more about us and to get in touch, please head over to I Wish I Knew That Pod on Instagram. And don't forget to join the conversation on our Facebook community. Please also remember to email your questions about songwriting to I wish I knew that pod at gmail.com and we will answer these on our upcoming episodes. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this, we would really love it if you could give it a share or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And Jamie and I will talk to you on the next episode.